The Colony, Kalia's Log, Stardate 2041.45. I laid in our business. The video of our lives together played on the screen of my eyelids. Trey, my love, my husband-to-be, was sound asleep beside me. I opened my eyes to make sure it wasn't a dream. This was the man I wanted to spend the rest of my life with, through thick and thin, for better or worse, for richer or poorer, in sickness and in health, to love and to cherish, till death do us part. I cradled my stomach to comfort our unborn child. Dare I bring an unorthodox child into the world? I thought to myself, it was ours. I didn't care if any unborn child would be human or a variation of its hybrid father. I had no idea that loving a hybrid human would be not only challenging, but also a life of mortal combat. I met Trey at West Point, the United States Military Academy. We both were being groomed to work for the Central Intelligence Agency, also known as the CIA. I fell in love with him, with just one glance at those hazel almond eyes. He told me on our third date he was now 100% human. I laughed and thought he was eccentric and a jokester. That one night, that one beautiful night when we made love, he proved to me that he was not human. The hair on his body obscured my touch to his skin. It wasn't smooth. It felt like scales on a fish. I never felt anything like that before in my life. He had the ability to split his human tongue in two like a Biden pitchfork. His body odor was sweet like honey. In fact, the taste of his sweat and his saliva were sweet like candy. His lovemaking was rough and gentle at the same time. No man made me feel so complete like Trey. It was his eyes that fascinated me the most. He had two sets of eyelids. My inner eyelids shielded me from the reptilian star, Proxima Centauri. My outer eyelids shield me from our sun, he explained to me that night. But I must wear special sunglasses in the daytime, and maybe sometimes at night to protect my eyes from the sun's radiation not seen by humans. When I looked deep into his hazel eyes, I noticed computer codes flashing across his irises. If I were to stare deeply into them, I would become hypnotized. I would wake up from one of these hypnotisms with Trey deeply kissing me and his voice resonating in my head of how much he loved me. Then he started to explain to me, how the end of the earth was coming as we knew it. The reptilian human experiment of DNA manipulation created a race stronger, smarter, and more powerful than the humans. The CIA was studying him to find ways of controlling them or exterminating them from the planet. Their initial purpose was to build an army of humans to populate the outer planets. My darling, Trey, who was one of the identical triplets, was designated to live on the surface of Mars, and that was our destination. I've never met any of his brothers in person. He showed me a picture of them together when they were in boarding school. The CIA was training me to be a botanist, and I became the top botanist in my class. I was taught how to colonize the planet Mars. We were going to escape Mother Earth for Father Mars and raise a family. But somewhere in the equation, we got mixed up with a bunch of abductees and outlawed hybrids fighting for their lives in the desert of the United States. Is our destiny doomed? Was a question in my mind. Trey and I had been living with the abductees' trailer camp in the desert and fighting reptilian soldiers controlled by an unknown source. The leader, Morris, had reminded us constantly that these reptilian soldiers were controlled by the reptilians. Trey's gut instincts cautioned him that they may have been controlled by the humans. We are fighting a secret war, exclaimed Trey. The governments and corporations of the world got the humans entrapped in their propaganda. I've learned in the past months that my husband-to-be knew exactly what he was talking about. Before I lost contact with my family in New York, 
They thought I was crazy when I told them that the earthquake and tsunami that destroyed the city was caused by our own government. Man does not have the kind of power to do such things that only God can do, my dad proclaimed, believing in the ancient ways. We escaped the pending doom from the mountains and was attacked by reptilian soldiers. My tray fought them off, and we escaped that catastrophe for the desert. Why the desert, I asked. It's remote, so they aren't interested in spending time and resources to bring attention to our struggle to stay alive. There's a colony of hybrids and adductees surviving there. We must take refuge there and make plans for our next move, he explained to me as his loving, moist lips kissed me. I was so in love with him. And like a 1970s soap opera, we discovered that I was pregnant. It was an impossibility, according to Trey. Hybrids are stale. They can't procreate. At least that was told me by my dad and Dr. Fernandez. He said to me with his loving eyes, but his reptilian electromagnetic ability to probe and scan the human body proved me right, and it was a seed that was grown inside me. After days of the constantly silent bombardment of reptilian night attacks, constricting our every move, our host explained about his involvement in this war. You see, half-breed, I was abducted by the reptilians back in December of 1977. He began to tell a story to Trey. They turned my whole life upside down. I had years of nightmares over the event, and then I noticed a physical change taking place. My body and my senses were metamorphosing into a reptilian hybrid prototype. But you look quite human to us. Maybe very old, but your body performs like a 30-year-old, Trey told him. I don't know what they did to me on that spaceship. I got stuck in a snowdrift, and I thought I was going to die in that blizzard. After a few minutes, I freed my car from the snowdrift and continued on to my then-girlfriend's house. When I got there, I was four hours late. I think they called it missing time. The nightmares began. Nightmares of my seeing dead bodies in a pool of blood, and I escaped into the blizzard. Then I would wake up. Morse was sweating at this point. It was obvious that he was reliving his nightmares. He continued his story about having children that were taken from him and his wife. I could tell that Trey tried his best to use all of his senses to detect any reptilian codes in Morris's DNA. He has been through some transformation that I cannot comprehend, Trey told me sometime later. His physical DNA does not match his brain composition. He thinks like a human, not like a reptilian. When we were alone, I would question Morris's motivations. I don't like him, I exclaimed one night during our lovemaking. He creeps me out. He's not real, Trey. There's something weird about him. I just can't put my finger on it. I grabbed him by the head and kissed him deeply. I'm afraid for our lives here. We've got to get out of this colony. I agree, he said as we looked into each other's eyes. My senses tell me to flee soon and as fast as possible. But where, Kalia? I was waiting for communications from my brothers and granddad. I've not heard from them in months. This is the only place I know where we are welcomed and where we can make a stand against them. And who's them, Trey? Answer me that. I flung the question at him in frustration and desperation to escape. I don't know, he replied with a confused facial expression. Morris keeps saying they're the reptilians, but my gut tells me they're the humans to get rid of all the evidence of trying to populate the planet with hybrids. My mind's video was interrupted by a high-pitched hissing in my head. It was the hybrids alarm system. We were under attack once again. Within the darkness, Trey quickly got dressed. It was like every other attack at the crack of dawn. You stay inside. I need you and the baby safe, he said, as he felt my stomach with a kiss. Wearing his specialized sunglasses and then flew out the trailer door, readied for war and armed with his trusty sword to chop off the heads of the reptilians. The war was not fought like any conventional war we knew of. The weapons were silent. We were protected by a magnetic field. 
The reptilians were trying their best to penetrate our power grid. Once in a while, in sneak attacks, the soldiers were cloaked and infiltrated the shield from underground. They were like super moles. They could claw their ways to the surface in seconds. One time, they infiltrated our colony from their tunnels and began to attack our power grid. If our power grid went down, we would have been vulnerable to their slaughtering. Trey and the elders defeated them in their attacks. The whole colony praised my Trey for his intellect and reptilian scanning abilities to detect any of our enemies if they were underground. I prepared myself for battle in case the fighting got too intense and they needed all hands on deck. As I was feeling my usual nausea, I heard an extremely loud explosion outside my door. The sound shook the whole RV, knocking me to the floor. I immediately felt my stomach, making sure my unborn child was not harmed. Then someone kicked in from my front door, armed with a proton rifle. Kalia, Kalia, are you all right? The voice sounded familiar. It was Morris. He helped me up off the floor. The look in his eyes were freaking me out. Once I was standing, I jerked away from his grip. Trey is a very lucky man to have a woman like you, he said in a sleazy tone. Yes, he is, I replied indignantly. He came closer to me. I quickly ran into our bedroom and went for my weapon that I had hid in the closet. He grabbed me by the arm before I could reach the closet. You two are so happy, he said as he slammed shut the bedroom door. I wished I was as happy as you two, but I loathe my life. He sighed as he released me from his vicious grip. Why do you loathe your life? I asked as I slowly moved away from him and closer to the closet. Morse began his story with a sad facial expression. You see, he said as his eyes became glazed in memory, I was once madly in love with a boy in 1968. His name was Seth. I never got over him. He made me feel alive and wanted to live life to its fullest. We did things together. We went places together. We made love, and it was the most beautiful thing in the world to me. The problem was, I was engaged to my high school sweetheart and filled with guilt because I no longer loved her, and she never made me feel the way Seth did. She thought of him and me as close friends, so she invited him to her home. She had no idea that her basement was our love palace. Seth became angry and standoffish. He wanted me to choose between him and his fiancée. He threatened to leave me if I didn't. He put me in a hellish situation. I couldn't bear to hurt her like that. But he was my soulmate, and I had to be one with him. Then she informed me that she was pregnant, so there was no way I was leaving her. Seth left. I haven't seen or heard from him since. I was devastated and became vindictive toward her and our unborn child. Like a toggle switch, he body slammed me, pinning me up against the wall. I couldn't believe the strength he had for a nonagenarian. His wrinkled face and rotten egg breath gave the impression of a decrepit geriatric human, but his physique was that of a 30-year-old. His rock-hard body was compressed up against mine. The veins in his bald head were purple and pulsing rapidly. His face in my face and the stench from his breath kept me gagging for air. Trey's a very lucky man to have such a lovely lady like you, he wheezed in my face. I held my breath, and with all the power that was in me, I tried to push the antiquated hulk away from me. It didn't have any effect. It was like being stuck between brick walls. He yanked down my pants and underwear. I felt his thick fingers probing my vagina. He began to sniff at me. His sniffing became erratic and vigorous. His fingers marched deeper inside me. Wait a minute. You're pregnant with a hybrid, he grumbled. His whole hand began to enter me. I will take this unborn hybrid and have it for lunch. I panicked and began screaming at the top of my voice, Trey! Trey! I was experiencing excruciating pain as Morse reached in further up in my womb. The room door was kicked open. It was Trey. 
Get away from her, you motherfucker. So the little boy came to play, Morris laughed. Morris released me. I slumped down to the floor in exhaustion. I watched my fiancé combat the snake as I lay debilitated in agony. It was difficult to comprehend the sight of the battle. My youthful lover was losing to an antediluvian. Morris had wrestled Trey's sword to the floor. With one backhand swing, he knocked Trey onto his back. Morris jumped on top of him. Morris had him immobilized. I knew I had to do something to save him. I noticed the sword on the floor near me. I had to use it, and I had to do it quickly. I used all my strength inside me and crawled to the sword. Morris was too involved with Trey to attack me. He was faced of haste with Trey, and once again he was sniffing at his prey like a hound dog. Your scent is familiar, he said to Trey. I know this scent. I've never noticed this before. I saw Trey's hand movement, which told me that he was aware of my plan of action, and he approved. I slowly stood up, holding the sword. Seth, shouted out Morris. My name is Trey. Remember, old man? No, your scent is Seth. You're Seth's son. I don't know any Seth. My name is Trey, and my father's name is Stefan. I was standing on top of them. I lifted the heavy sword and swung at Morris's head as hard as I could. The reverberation of the impact imploded on me, and I lost my balance. I laid on the floor as Morris stood up with a gash in his neck. Blood was spewing from the wound, showering over me, but it did not stop him from attempting to attack me. Trey, like a jackrabbit, jumped from his position and landed on Morris's back. He immediately caught hold of Morris's wound and proceeded to tear his head off his body. I fainted into oblivion. I woke up surrounded by the colony's women. I felt the desert floor underneath me. Relax, commanded one of the ladies kneeling at my side. We're getting out of here. You need a doctor. Where's Trey? I asked. He's getting the rest of the men together with their jeeps. We lost the battle this time. The colony is destroyed. There's a saboteur among us, she cried. They killed my husband. They killed my husband, she yelled in agony. The other women knelt near her to comfort her in hugs. I began to cry. Where's Trey? Is he all right? The tears welled up in my throat. He's hanging in there, said the women, comforting the other as she continued and tears welled up in her. Your man, Trey, he tried his best to fix your son. You're carrying a boy, he told us. Just like the healer, he tried to concern himself with the health of your unborn child by using his hand's magnetic field to scan your womb. Then he burst into tears. She cried uncontrollably. The two of them were now crying out in sync and screeching painful moans. I've never seen such loyalty and love from a hybrid like your Trey. He cared for you and kissed you and hugged you in his pain, continued the woman breathlessly in tears. We are going to the healer. The healer will know what to do with your unborn child. The healer will save us all. Where's Trey? I want Trey, I cried out. I'm doing well, said a male voice. It was my beloved Trey. He picked me up and carried me to our jeep. All that was left of the colony were jeeps lined up in a row. I looked around and saw nothing but debris. Trey had taken out the back seats of our jeep and replaced them with cushions. He laid me down on top of them. Don't think. I can read your thoughts. Everything is going to be okay, he said as he kissed my parched lips. Then a jeep pulled up beside us. Follow us, instructed the male driver. Trey, where are we going, I asked. To the healer, Braxton's compound. He will help protect us from the reptilians and save your baby, answered the male driver. Save my baby? What about Dr. Fernandez? Can't we get to him first, I panicked. I caressed my stomach for movement of life. There was none. I burst into tears. The jeep caravan stopped near an RV cracked in half, surrounded in debris. There was a small shrine in front of it with burnt-out candles and dead flowers and a few burnt teddy bears. A brunette-haired woman was knelt in prayer over the candles. She lost her whole family. 
husband, children, and parents. Trey sighed in grief. Parker, he yelled out to the woman. She didn't move an inch, as if she was a living statue stuck in time. Trey got out of the jeep and approached her. He knelt down beside her, hugged her, and the two of them stood up together. I was amazed that she was as tall as my Trey. He led her to our jeep. I noticed that she held in her hand what looked like a paper advertisement. She sat in the front seat of the tray. She was in a daze. It was obvious the shock of losing her whole family had put her mind in suspended animation. As the caravan of jeeps drove their way through the hot desert, our guest finally fell asleep. The paper advertisement was in her lap. I pushed myself up in a sitting position and looked over Trey's head as he was driving. I was straining my neck to get my head high enough to read the advertisement. From what I read in big letters, it was a flyer invitation to become a friend of Braxton. Trey, I've never heard of this Braxton, I said in a matter-of-fact but questioning tone. I have. He's been on the UFO circuit, and the abductees flocked to his compound in the desert. Why? What does he offer them? My wandering mind couldn't fathom anything that was happening to us. I don't know, Kalia. It is interesting that the mainstream news media haven't picked up on his popularity among the UFO circuits and abductees. Why? Mainstream media hasn't reported on a lot of things going on, like reptilians and humans in war for planet dominance, I said with scorn as I once again embraced my stomach. I'm quite sure the Illuminati got him on their radar screen. I hushed myself in my response not to wake Parker, who was obviously out in slumberland. But she startled us when she spoke. Was she in a trance, I thought? It is well known in the abductee communities that he is a healer, and he knows our fight to be heard. Rumor has it that not only are we coming under attack by the One World Order, but also there's a contract hit on all the scientists and medical geniuses of the world. They're all heading to the healer's compound in the desert not far from here. We are suspicious, though, that the world governments haven't destroyed his compound. It is believed this healer is a reptilian and being protected by the reptilians. There are no photos of him. No one knows what he looks like. So they portray him with a reptilian caricature. His identity is hidden from the world. In our days of technology, how is this so, unless the governments of the world are in an agreement to keep this away from the masses for fear of suicidal anarchy? Her mouth suddenly stopped. There was silence in the jeep. Parker had never opened her eyes or spoke again. I got tired of anticipating another oracle from her sleeping lips and dozed off into oblivion. A sonic boom woke us up, and we found ourselves surrounded by conventional vehicles, flying vehicles, and space taxis. Trey, what is happening? I asked. We got to walk from here to the compound. The whole area is inundated with castaways, he related to us. At that moment, the guy who was our caravan leader approached the jeep. Stay here, said the leader to me. Trey and I are going to go to the gate in order to state our case and see if we can get an escort to take you to Braxton. Usually, the sick and the dying get in ahead of the rest of the followers. As they walked away from the jeep, Parker, for the first time, opened her eyes. She looked over toward me. Her pupils were deep, dark brown and large. I thought they were too large for a human. My name is Parker, she said in monotone. My name is Kalia. We've met before, remember? In that desert cave, I replied. He loves you very much. You are fortunate to have a hybrid loyalty to your being, she stated as a fact with no emotions. Before I could respond, Trey was at the jeep window. They're going to let us go ahead of everyone, he said as he lifted me up. The caravan leader escorted Parker from the jeep, and the four of us worked our way through the exasperated crowd to the entrance gate. Then this space vehicle appeared above us. Trey, Trey, was shouted from its loudspeaker. We all looked up, 
The vehicle slowly descended to the land among the squatters as they scattered to escape its engine trajectory and from being crushed to death. The miniature craft landed in front of us. I was thinking this was how we were going to enter into the compound when the craft's door opened and stood in its doorway was my tray. I quickly looked at the man who was holding me in his arms and then to the man approaching us. Is that your brother? I asked Trey. Yes, he exclaimed with a big sigh of relief. Give her to me and follow me, Trey's triplet commanded as we obeyed his orders into the small spacecraft. The door shut as soon as we entered. Hold on to the bars, he yelled out as the craft lifted off for flight. The man carrying me smiled with his bright teeth. My name is Tyrone. I am Trey's brother, he laughed, because we were all amazed by how the two of them looked exactly alike. And, as he continued, there's one more like us. We are triplets. I'm the one with the beard, and then there's Tyler. After a short tour of the space vehicle, introductions to the crew, and meeting my future sister-in-law, Aditi, I was placed in this coffin-like machine that monitored my human functions. Trey and his brother Tyrone were concerned about my unborn child. Tyrone didn't believe Trey. The child within me couldn't have been inseminated by a hybrid, since hybrids were sterile. As I laid in the glass-covered contraption, I could see and hear the two brothers' discussions. Have you heard from Tyler? Trey asked. No, not recently. Last I heard, Taj and he were stopping at the reptilian moon base before heading for Mars. And that is our destination, Apophis Colony, the first reptilian colony to be established on Mars, said my love as he glanced over at me in concern. We can make it there by this craft. It will be a cramped and longer time than if we were in a spaceship, explained Tyrone as he showed Trey the result of my examination on his hand monitor. The two men hugged and in unison turned their excited face over to me. Trey opened the glass cage. What we need you to do, Kalia, is to close your eyes and concentrate on our son's survival. Tyrone and I are going to place our hands on your womb and try to correct the problem. We are not experienced in healing humans like our brother Tyler is, said Tyrone. Yes, Trey laughed. Our father always told Tyrone and me that we were more human than reptilian. The two hybrids gently applied their hairy, large hands onto my naked womb. I kept my eyes closed and put my unborn son's blank face in my mind. I visualized that he was going to be as handsome as his father. I felt an intense sensation of warmth over my womb. I began to sweat, and the heat came over my whole body. Someone held me down, and I began to scream in pain from the heat penetration through my body by the hands of my healers. I lost consciousness. Are we going to be welcome into the reptilian empire? I don't know, but we can try. We are part reptilian, he laughed. Granddad said that this Seth guy is in control of the colony. When did he say this? In our last hologram communication. Did he say anything about our fathers? Last I heard, according to the reports, David was hiding out in Montreal from the reptilians, and Granddad took our father to the moon base. Tyler and Taj are on their way to the American moon base now. When I opened my eyes, I realized that the voices in my head were Trey and Tyrone's. I was laying in a bed in a small compartment at the craft. Trey had me in his arms, stroking my hair, while Tyrone looked on. This was my new family. We were going to be pioneers, settling in a new territory on Mars. Aditi walked in, and our eyes met immediately. Oh, look who's wide awake, she laughed. So did you tell her? Tell me what? I became fearful that my baby was gone. I quickly felt my stomach, and I felt warmth and movement inside. I began to bust into laughter. Our son is healthy, and will survive our trip to Mars, Trey said as he kissed my forehead. I never let on that I overheard his conversation with Tyrone. I didn't want to cause any more concern that he already had on his mind. 
I was beginning to understand the body language and the telepathic vibrations from my husband-to-be. Is this craft equipped to make such a trip? Trey asked. Well, Tyrone began. We calculated a slingshot maneuver using the Earth's gravity to catapult us into the grip of the Martian's gravity. We may have to enhance the repulsion engine system in case we encounter some magnetized plasma. The whole trip will take four months, which means most of the crew will be put to sleep until we get to Mars. That includes you, my love, Trey added as he kissed my forehead. Our bodies, Trey and mine, will naturally go into the hibernation once the temperature of the craft reaches minus 130 degrees Celsius. But Tyrone, what happens if we miss Mars's gravitational field? Tyrone smiled mischievously at his audience in the room. That means the humans and the reptilians will have to come fetch us in order to eliminate us.